The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today. Vicious Whispers, episode 87. Got a really cool short story at the end of this called No Service. Think you guys are going to enjoy that off of Untold Mayhem. But first, I have a very special guest. I got Josh Dillingham here from the Plain Injured Podcast. Welcome, Josh. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we had a lot of fun on, your, on my podcast interviewing you. So um, why not return the favor and come on your podcast, man? I'm yeah. You, you know what? One of the things that I really, the podcast with you helped me remember how much I enjoy just finding out about people and meeting new people. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I've always been kind of an introvert. Unlocking the cage got me out of my shell. Um, but I kind of forgot about that. And being in this kind of situation where shit, you never even see anybody, you know, except for an occasional uh, Zoom call. That's usually with someone I know. So it was a lot of fun talking with you. And so I thought it'd be cool just to find out who you are, what you're about and all that, because, uh, no, I think we totally, you know, we had a good connection. I really like your attitude. Um, and man, and that's, and that's what it's all about. So, uh, being able to share that with others. So let me, let's get into this. Um, all right. So tell me a little bit totally. about yourself, uh, where you grew up, you know, what kind of family, um, and where you are now. Totally. So I grew up about 45 minutes right out of outside of Chicago, actually. Uh, my parents were both entrepreneurs. So uh, we owned a hair salon actually in my hometown. The hometown is called Bolingbrook. And so I grew up, man, um, really around a lot of women. Right. Uh, and they were tough on me. Right. Uh, but I also grew up doing a lot of work, cleaning, cleaning. Uh, Parents that are you, you start up a business, small mom and pop shop, the, the free, the cheapest employees are your children. Yeah. <laughs> so that's they, they use me. So I, I did a lot of sweeping. I did a lot of that. But um, man, early from an early age, I just learned how to be accountable and kind of learn how to earn my, you know, my own stripes. Mm. Uh, it's pretty cool. First paycheck I ever got came from my dad. And so when I saw that, it was just like, man, like being able to actually control my lifestyle is, became a dream for me. Um, and so uh, growing up, kind of got into sports, right? Got into basketball. Um, and my older brother played football. My dad played football, but I was a small kid. So my dad was like, we don't want you to play football. You, you need to find something else. <laughs> so ended up getting into basketball. And the reason why I got into basketball really is for uh, popularity. I was a shy kid, introverted. Um, got bullied. Uh, I struggled in school, struggled with reading. So I wanted people to like me. I wanted to have fame per se. Mm -hmm. um, so through that, you know, I kind of just took basketball out and, and I kind of took it by the horns. I played uh, in high school, ended up going to college here in downtown Chicago. And that's actually where I am now. Um, and so that kind of gets into my podcast and we can kind of touch on that a little bit later. But um, I've truly learned that I was playing basketball for approval of others instead of kind of following my own path and living for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I found that out in college. And so um, right now uh, I'm a podcaster. Uh, I work in sales. I, I work with attorneys. I sell software to attorneys. Um, and then I'm entrepreneur, entrepreneur at heart, man. Um, and, and me and my parents, uh, we still talk every day. Um, uh, their business is going well. They've had troubles and different things like that, but that's the foundation of who I am. Um, I'm an athlete, former athlete who had an identity crisis, who had to shift my identity to become something new, um, and evolve. And I'm doing that every day. I'm still evolving. I'm still learning. I'm still a young male in the world of, 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 uh, trying to find out who I want to be as a person and who I want to be as a man. So uh, that's kind of me in, in a nutshell. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome to have that kind of attitude, man. I didn't develop any kind of real drive. I don't know. I, I was doing the same thing as you kind of trying to find my identity, trying to be a tough guy fighting, trying to be a tough guy playing football, trying to get some kind of fame, you know, doing all that kind. Of, and I realized for all the wrong reasons, 
Um, you know, so that's cool that you discovered that early. Uh, yeah. Now, with your podcast, uh, and you're you have a partner with that too, right? Is two of you guys on there? Yeah, I do have a. Yeah, two, two, me and my partner, uh, Mason, he's actually a mentor of mine. Um, and, and I guess we can kind of go into the origin of the podcast and how that became and, and how me and him partnered together. So um, he's a speaker. He ended up coming down to Chicago. He's from Milwaukee. Um, and I found out that he was coming down for a keynote. And so I just reached out to him and I said, hey, can we spend um, – an hour before your uh, before you go speak, uh, we'd love to bounce some ideas off you. We'd love to chat with you. So we get to talking, talking a little bit about life and, and different things like that. And I asked him a ton of questions, and it just came up in in the, in the conversation. He's like, "Man, you should start a podcast. I feel like you have a good network of athletes that you can speak to. Um, you know, you came from a family of entrepreneurs, um, and, and I was I was scared, man, when he told me that." I, I wasn't I wasn't a speaker. I, I still felt like I was shy, introverted. Um, and, and he was like, I'll do it with you. Let's do it together. And so that kind of helped me out. And so I would say that was um, summertime 2019. We ended up launching February 2020 this year, uh, which feels like two years ago. <laughs> but um how we, how that came about is we were both former athletes, right? Um, and he played soccer. I played basketball. And we just talked about playing injured in sports, right? How most athletes, when we get hurt or we get injured in a way, we always try to find a way to continue to play, mm-hmm. right? Um, he showed me an example of when he had, uh, I want to say, 11 stitches in his head. Um, he, he, you know, he tried to head of the ball. He ended up hitting somebody else's head and he, you know, he got the bad end of it. So he still went out there and played, um, my story. I've played through multiple injuries, but I remember, uh, my senior year in college, I remember popping my thumb out of my socket and and tearing all the ligaments in my hand. I remember looking at my hand and my bone was out of my hand and my trainer popped it back into place. And I was like, Okay, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap up my hand. Let's see. He's like, okay, let's, um, we're going to throw the ball off the wall. I want to just see you jump up and catch it. So when I jump up and caught it, my thumb went out of place again. And he popped it back and played. He said, you can't, you can't go out there and play. So our mindset was trying to figure out what was that competitive mindset from getting injured, but still doing everything you can to continue to play. And how can we transcend that to real life? And when we get injured in life, not having that get up, that give up attitude and playing injured can be anything. You're tired. (laughs) Oh, I'm sleepy. I, I, you know, I had some non-negotiable things that I need to get done, but I'm tired. I can't get that done. It's like, no, let's push through that. Um, you go through pain emotionally, uh, mentally, physically. How can we translate that competitive mindset, whatever that is, to real life? Let's keep pushing forward. Let's find a way to get around this um, and, and continue to push forward. So that was kind of the idea of it. And, and it's been a journey so far. That's awesome. No, I, I love that. I had I had kind of mixed feelings when I even first heard the name because it's like, ah, plain injured. Because like, my traumatic brain injury book is all about what a bad idea it is to play injured, like with a, with a concussion or something like that. So in my head, yes, uh, well, shit, you know, maybe it's not good to always play injured and maybe we hurt ourselves more, Totally. but I, but I think that's an amazing, it's an amazing idea for a podcast. It's a, it's a, such a cool idea, putting that kind of drive into, you know, real life. So what are some of the things that you've learned from interviews with different people? Have you, have you gained any wisdom? You know, cause that's one of the things from like unlocking the cage. We talked about like, man, I was talking to all these people. So I was able to absorb a lot of stuff. Have you, how, how have you grown from doing the podcast, you know, putting yourself out there and from messages that you've heard from different people? Yes. So um, first off, answer your first question. What I've learned is that um, pain, the pain that we get in life, usually creates our purpose. Almost every story, every episode we hear 
they had some type of pain and they end up coming full circle to being like their purpose to what drives them. And we've had multiple people where they've uh, fought through injuries physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, people who have been suicidal now and now they help other people. Right. And it's just like your pain and your vulnerability um, not only helps you, it helps others that come after you. So being able to be vulnerable enough to tell others your problems so that they can help you. And then you're vulnerable enough to share that to help somebody else. And so that's the main thing I learned is your pain end up end up becoming your purpose. You can't see it at the time of the pain. You have to get out of it and look back and notice that if this didn't happen, my life wouldn't be as great as it is now. So when you're in that, you have to try to remind yourself that this is going to be the best thing that ever actually happened to me. It's going to take me where I need to go instead of uh, kind of getting deep and, and down on yourself, um, which is the toughest part, right? That That is definitely the toughest part. But how can we kind of understand, hey, this is happening for a reason and I'm going to be better for it. And, and that's, I mean, that's kind of my motto for this year. Hey, this year has been tough, but what can we do? We'll, we'll look back two years from now and be like, hey, what I did in 2020 and what I went through in 2020 ended up helping me be the person that I am right now. Um, and then um, interviewing people, man, uh, uh, and you can attest to this, the nerves, right? Um, <clears throat> you're nervous. You want to, to kind of put out a good product. Um, you want to have a good conversation with people. Um, and over time, you just kind of understand and, and how I've grown is that, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to connect with somebody and um, kind of get deep. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just focus on helping people instead of trying to put the best uh, product to be the best, you know, podcaster, putting so much pressure on yourself, uh, which I have done, mm-hmm. you know, worrying about other people's opinions. Uh, if I put this podcast out, are people going to like it? What are they going to say? And it's like, hey, we're doing it for the people who we can help, not the people who um, the naysayers, you know, and, and probably me and you can both attest to this being athletes. <clears throat> Excuse me. We um, we always wanted to, um, you know, prove the naysayers wrong. Right mm-hmm. now, that's kind of for me, that's been dangerous trying to. Uh, prove the naysayers wrong because I'm really sensitive to if I get negative feedback from it or uh, a comment from it instead of kind of helping people actually learn things and, and add value to people um, and, and serve people. And so that's kind of taking the pressure off for me. Um, and I've just learned that, uh, man, it's fun. This is fun. Me and you having a conversation right now. Uh, this is fun. So let's make it fun and let's, um, have fun with the process and not put too much pressure on it. That's awesome, man. And that's, that's exactly how I came out of our podcast last, last week or two weeks ago, dude, I was so pumped up. I was so motivated and it was just from talking and having a, a cool conversation with someone new. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And totally, it's also awesome to see like, shit, man, we're completely different places, different parts of the country, different experiences, different sports, different, all of that. But none of that shit makes a difference. You know, so if you're just talking to another person, like, and if you actually care about the other person, you know, uh, I think, I think that's huge. Um, now what, what, uh, now I forgot my goddamn question. See, it's all the brain dead. <laughs> um, now with the podcast, what, what are your, what are your big plans like do you have what kind of dreams do you have where do you want to see yourself like in five years where do you want to see yourself in 10 years yes i love that question and i get that i get that a lot um obviously what i want to do is first off i would love to take all these stories and you kind of inspire me to do this take all of these stories that i learned find all these common themes and what i've learned and, and turn it into a book I would love to write a book. Um, how can we pay? How can we actually play through injury in life? And, um, you know, um, and what that looks like mentally, emotionally, physically, 
Um, and, and that, that, like you said, that, you know, that's kind of a long-term goal because I want to find out how can I even put that together? Uh, and when that time comes, I'll probably reach out to you <laughs> when that time comes, man. Cause that, that is definitely what I want to do. Um, obviously want to keep the podcast going and I want to be able to, um, kind of stretch and, and reach out, be, be a global, uh, global recognized podcast. Um, and we'd love to have clothing. We'd love to, to, to get into clothing and branding and um, making it a lifestyle, not just a saying, not just plain inch. I want it to be a lifestyle of, hey, I can get through anything. I can get through uh, and get past this pain, um, this temporary pain. Um, and it's just it's just going to make me better. So we'd love to make it a lifestyle instead of just uh, a podcast and a saying. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, I am all about helping <laughs> you with the book. I think that's a super smart idea. Writing books can be a fast. Yes. It could be a lot of work. It also could be a lot of fun. It would help you grow. Um, and so, yeah, dude, if you want to do that, I'm I'm all about it. So I'll sit down with you. I'll, I'll make you see how easy it is. Like, not easy, but it's not something that you need to put off for the future. Like, that's something you can start totally. now. Start really thinking about, like, okay, you know what? I want to touch on this. I want to touch on this. Whenever you interview someone new, you're like, just write down some notes. Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to write this. And what's awesome about your case is you got all this information recorded. You know, you have the podcast to go back to and listen. Right. So you can just dictate whatever, you know, whatever they said. So you already are going to have a ton of content. Um I can show you how to structure the book real easy. Uh, dude, honestly, totally. if we had probably uh, like two or three different calls, hour long calls or whatever, you would have the book laid out and then it would be just you putting it together and then hooking up with a good editor, um, you know, and all that. So if it's something you do want to do, dude, I'm, I'm down. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome. That, that would be awesome, man. I, and I guess because you had over 400, how, how many interviews did you do? Uh, like 400. Four, yeah, about 400 like that, altogether. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, so like 400 and I guess, man, how did you get started? Obviously you're an author, right? How mm -hmm. did you get started? What was like, what made you want to write? Did you do interviews to write a book or did that just come down? Like, yeah, no, I, line? I had that, the book idea in my head when I started, well, and I wasn't even sure because I was like, dude, I had so much self-doubt, like all the self-doubt nearly sabotaged it all. I wasn't even going the first trip, but I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to one trip. If it turns out well, then I'll write the book. Um, and so luckily, you know, I enjoyed the interview. Right. Writing the book was tough because I had so many people and then it was hard determining, you know, who I sh who should I include? Like I want to include everyone, but if I included everyone, that would be like one page on each person, you know, and you couldn't do that. So I ran into right. a lot of problems. But if you know, you know, and that's something we'll work out, we'll, we'll figure out, okay, we want to talk about this subject, this kind of subject, this kind of subject. Um, and then you could mention the different people and different things you learn from different people in each of those subjects. We'll figure out the best way to lay it out. And I'm definitely not an expert with nonfiction. I'm not an expert in fiction either, but, um, but I could figure out a book, you know, and, and really man, it wouldn't take much work at all because all, all writing is and good writing is, man, you just embrace your voice, embrace who you are and the way you, that you think, you know, and not trying, you aren't going to be trying to write like some other author. You're just going to be telling the story the way you'd be telling the story to your friends, um, you know, after, after a couple of drinks, even, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it would just be like this. This is how I talk. You know, I'm not going to, I don't talk in complete sentences usually. Uh, you know, my grammar sucks. Uh, none of that matters. So, and, you know, so any, any doubts that you have that you could do this, uh, you get rid of them because they don't need to be there. So that'd be awesome. And again, that's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy, you know, whatever knowledge I have, like shit, man, if I could pass that on, um, I think next week I'm going to be, I don't know if I'm going to start it next week or not, but I'm going to do a writing class for veterans. And because dude, writing is wow. such a catharsis, man. I, I've seen it work with, with friends. And so I'm going to do it with other people and just, man, if I could do that and kind of give something back, like you're talking about, you know, the vulnerability and everything else, 
I think that's amazing. So, um, yeah, with your kind of attitude, dude, you'll, you'll, you'll kill it. You'll get it out. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'd be happy to help guide it. Um, so I think that'd be, I think that'd be cool. And you, and also really think about, okay, why, why do I want to do the book? You know, is it just, is it, is it to make money? Because dude, Selling and not to say that you can't like with your with your dude with your attitude and everything, you could probably find a good agent. You could probably sell it traditionally uh and go that route. Um being an independent author kind of sucks. It's a lot of work, you got to do everything yourself, yeah. uh, not a lot of money, you know? right. and that's what I'm trying to build up towards. But really think about what you want to do, why you want to do it. But uh yeah, man, I think I think that'd be awesome. I'd be totally up for that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you know what I meant to ask you uh, on my podcast is uh, try not to die. Mm-hmm. What made you come up with that? And, and I guess why? Why did you come up with that? I, I, I thought that was super interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like a game, right? A video game. But it's, it's like, um, is it for fun or is somebody are you trying to teach people things? It's, <laughs> it's, 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 I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. It's actually a little <laughs> bit of both. Um, so when I was a kid, I used to love reading. They're called Choose Your Own Adventures. And every couple of pages, you have to choose what happens. And then there would be different story paths. And so you might go this way or that way. And sometimes they would end up with you dying or or like either for kids. So it wasn't graphic like mine. Um, but I just thought that was a super cool idea. Right. And originally the way I wanted to do it was to do that where the books branch out and they're different stories within a story, but I realized it was too much. And so I just have to have one story. And then there's all these different decisions where you can die. Um, and I like writing death scenes, right. so it works out well for me. Um, but I do like, and I've had readers tell me this too, like making the decisions causes them anxiety. Um, and so if I could do a good job of making them feel like they're this person, that they're this character, um, when they have to make a decision, like, it's kind of hard. Like, do I do this? Do, and, and some of the decisions are tough. Like in the very first book, the first decision is, do you let your parents die or your sister? You know, it's like, which, which one are you going to wow. do? And, uh, in, uh, in pandemic, there was, I have one where you have to decide there's a guy running He's being chased and he's being shot at. He's trying to get into the door that, you know, that you're at. He sees you. He's like, hold it. And you have to decide, do you block it or do you, you know, so do you shut the door and lock it on him? Do you just, you know, leave the door open or do you run? And if you don't throw the door on his face and lock it, you're going to die. And it's like, you know, so sometimes, (laughs) sometimes the right answer is not really cool. Like you shouldn't really like, I don't know. I would feel really bad about shutting the door on someone, but if it's to protect my life and a loved one's life, like, man, I'm sorry. So it's just, I don't know. Right. For, for right. me, it's fun. And uh, yeah, we just finished that contest and we had a lot of people doing it and uh, most people die. Most They, they die more often than they don't, um, but then they, they could enjoy it. So yeah, so that, that's a lot of fun, man. And again, dude, I, I do those books with friends that, um, I've never written before in their life. Uh, I, I've done that with some friends that have barely passed uh, high school. Wow. So who knows? So maybe down the road, uh, you do a do- try not to die, try not to die in Chicago or try not to die wherever. Like we're doing a try not to die in Watts. Um, we, we got a, we got a whole bunch of different ones. Um, but uh, but like someone like you, if you did one like that, like you could write a story. You would come up with a story. I would pull it out of you that I couldn't write on my own because like, I haven't had your experiences, you know, um, right. in the short story I'm going to play today, it's called no service. And it's about a black uh, police officer who's dealing with a racist um, uh, liquor store owner. And, uh, and so I, I, I picked that one special wow. today, but you know, for that, I was like, okay, I could kind of maybe tap into that experience, but not not like legitimately if we went to you know if we went to a 15 year old kid right going who knows what we would put them through but that's what i tell all my co-authors most most of them say oh man i can't write i don't know how to write i don't have a story i'm like yeah you do man let's, let's think about what your past was like and find some bad stuff that happened and like just kind of go off of there or something that you dreamed about or 
it's easy uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, um, but we'll work on your playing injured first. We'll, we'll get that. We'll get that book done first. And then uh, after that shit, we'll, we'll branch, maybe branch out into some uh, fiction. <laughs> right. No, I think, man, those, those type of uh, games I've always loved pay- playing like, okay, this decision will determine you know, your life, like, or, or the end of the story, it would affect the story in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just the smallest things, right? The very smallest things of, of you locking a door and unlocking a door or whatever the case may be. Um, in, in a way, I mean, that's, it's like life in a way, like, Hey, the choices that we make can, you know, like create the, the, the life that we live. So it's, 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 it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, it's, I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. He has all type of different things that um, that people love. People people enjoy those type of things. That thrill um, um, of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of like a lost commodity. Not too many people um, get that thrill from reading something as opposed to watching a movie or watching a TV show. Yeah. Um, so that thrill from reading is is something that because you you read the words and you interpret it in your own mind as opposed to the visuals of what's on a TV show, you're visualizing everything on your own of based off the words and words and the descriptions of the author, which is, which is great. That, that, that's the truth. real. Yeah, man. And that's, that's one thing I really try to do. Sometimes I get complaints. Um, sometimes in reviews, people say, Oh, I wish you'd given me more. I needed more like description or whatever else, but I really try to cut down as much as possible and leave it up to the reader to, man, they can, they can figure this out in their mind. They could play their own little movie. They could decide if it went really bad or maybe, maybe they needed it to be more of a positive ending. So that's how they played it, you know? So yeah, by, by kind of letting them do that, I think that, uh, I think that does make it a lot better, which is cool. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Very cool, man. Um, dude, we got a lot of stuff to do. We, we got to get a, get you started on this book. I think, uh, so, so now, now, if you know that you have access to me, and not that I'm some great guy or whatever, but to help you shape this book, when would you want to? Uh, when would you want to start it? When could you see it being finished? Like maybe a year's worth of interviews. Like what would be what would be your timetable? That's a great question. Um... I would love to, I guess I would love to, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I always thought about it in, in a slow, kind of a slow mind frame of, hey, five years worth of interviews of um, hearing, hearing multiple things over and over again, which I've kind of have already hearing multiple things over and over again, multiple themes um, that kind of circle together. Um, but I guess I never thought about it. I always just told myself, Hey, five years out. I never told myself, Hey, what do I need to do this? I just figured, Hey, five years, 10 years out, maybe I would like to write a book, um, mm-hmm. about it. And, um, I guess it would be, Hey, an increased following or, uh, me understanding what exactly I want to get out of the book and why, like you mentioned, why do I want to do it? Do I want to do it for this reason or why? I always, since now that I I knew that, you know, my sports career, all that was based off of ego and different things like that. I'm always like mindful, hey, why am I doing this? And then from there, I can retrace my steps to get to square one. Um, so I don't know. I, I would say five years right now um, because I just love doing things slow and not being in, in a rush. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you, you never know you kind of motivated me like, Hey, I, I did it. And it was pretty simple. Um, so I don't know. I, I would say five years, but two to five years. Okay. That, and that's what I was going to say. I, I was going to say two years. I think, I think, t- and how often are you guys doing your podcast? Is it a weekly? Uh, weekly. Yep. Weekly. Okay. So yeah. So that's a lot of interviews. You're probably going to be, and that's one thing that happened with me with the fighters. I, I was hearing lots of the same stuff. There was these kinds of fighters. There was these kinds of fighters. There was this kind of story. There was this kind of story. 
Um, and it seems like you already have gotten a lot out of it. Like you have the, the goal of your podcast and that is a pretty awesome goal. So if you're able just to translate that into the book, um, I think it would do well. And honestly, if you could, if you could spend 15 to 30 minutes a week, just jotting down ideas and just think it like brainstorm sessions every once in a while. It, it, when, when it comes time to actually doing the book, it wouldn't be that bad at all. I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty cool. So, uh, and again, I'm not trying to tell you to do something totally. you don't want to do, but I do like making people realize like, Oh yeah, I, I could do that. And that's, I'm going to do that. And um, so, yeah, that, that's very cool. No, you're right though. I need to start to jot things down. Um, different ideas. Every time I get an idea, I need to start jotting it down. Um, and even even going back and listening to old episodes, I'm like, wow, um, I can always jot this down right now. Um, and even if I, you know, write write something on social media and then kind of save those posts, short, yeah. those those short things that I've learned from each episode. You know, it's always like five points or three or five points that you can get from a, from an episode that they can that you can take um Dude, so that is definitely. super smart that is uh that's a very smart idea copy and paste them into one document so you have them all there i do that with uh, my traumatic brain injury book dude because my memory is so terrible like i'll go back through facebook and i'll try to find all the posts like okay what was i doing at this time did i do anything or say anything that was important like can i pull anything from there and so yeah you already have content so um man i, I will send you an email just with some questions to get you kind of your brain going um, just you answering these questions will start shaping the book. And if we have some back and forth like that, uh, before, you know, you'll be like, you know what, I do want to do this book. I don't have all the content yet, but I do know I'm going to touch on this. And the nice thing is, dude, you don't have yep. to, you don't have to write the first page, you know, and that's where most people get held up. They're like, Oh, well, what I put for the first page? What I put for the start? I was like, man, you won't know that until you get to the end of the book. Uh, but you can write about right. You can write about your experience in basketball. You can write about that injury that you had. You can write about you know a couple yes. other people. You know, so I think that would be. And then also, don't feel like any of those people that you really want to go back to, um, you know, and listen to what they said, man, you could just send them an email or get them back on the phone. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm writing this book. I'd really like to talk to you some more about this. What would you like to say about this? And you'll see that they want to be part of it. They want to help you. They want to help spread their story. Yep. Um, so yeah, man, I think that's a, that's a cool way to do it. And um, yeah. All right. So we'll get started on that. Uh, this has been fun, man. I, I enjoyed talking with you and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you come up with. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to push you a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> totally. Totally. I love it. Um, I, I always need to push and that's what it's all about. Uh, that's what it's about building relationships where you can, uh, you, you can get a little push and, uh, man, I look, I look forward to continue to, uh, listen to these stories, man. Uh, and get a thrill. It, you know, it's getting dark pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's getting dark pretty quickly now, man. And I, like I told you, man, the, the horror stuff, I get a little, I get scared. I, I start seeing things. I'm the type of person I have to turn every light. You know, I turn this light on and I turn this light on so I can, <laughs> before it gets dark. But, um, but no, man, I, I, I love what you're doing. I love how uh, um, different you are and how, you know, it just seems like you have, a lot of clarity when I see people doing things that are different. Um, it's just clarity that they have as opposed to kind of following the masses. So I can always appreciate it, man. So, uh, man, it's always great talking to you. That's awesome. Well, man, I'm going to wrap it up. I got to get dinners from dinner for my kids. Um, but thank you so much for being I love it. For sure. You got to listen to the story. Let me know what you think. I will send you an email uh, with some questions to get you your brain going on the book. Cause I do want to help you develop that. Uh, and cause, and dude, part of it is self selfish too, because um, like, if you don't go with a big publisher, like I could put it out, you know, with my right. company. So, <laughs> like, so I, I would get something from it. Um, so I'm not, which, I'm, is, which is what it's all about, man. It's supposed to be mutual. That's one thing people need to learn, man. It is mutual. Uh, and, that's how it's supposed to be. 
you're supposed to have a, 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 vested, a vested interest in, in people when it comes to business. So I okay. definitely understand. Very cool, man. Well, thanks again for being on this podcast. Um, so the story I'm going to put on right now is from Untold Mayhem, No Service. I hope you guys enjoy it. Josh Dillingham, thank you so much. Oh, before I forget, where do people find your podcast? It's called Plain Injured, correct? Yep, Plain Injured Podcast. You can find it on uh, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you listen to to podcasts. Um, and and man, join our. We have a Facebook group, Plain Injured Podcast. We'd love for you guys to join our, our Facebook group so we can um, chat with you in person and kind of build a personal uh, connection with you guys. Uh, we love doing that. So I appreciate that. All right. Awesome, man. I will go ahead and sign up for that today. I will uh, connect with you on there as well, man. So thanks once again. <laughs> and here is totally, man. No service. No service. Shit. It had been right in front of our faces and we hadn't seen it. The little girl's father had seemed so heartbroken, so devastated by her death. And the son of a bitch thinks he's going to get away with it. There's only dark fields on both sides of the highway. Nowhere to pull over to make the call. I punch in Dominic's number as I continue to drive and hit send. The call fails. I try the department. Another fail. No bars at all. I probably won't have any service until the interstate. I don't want to wait that long. But I'm not turning around. As tempting as it is to drive back two hours and lead the arrest, I need to see Gabby before she hands me back the ring. A sign reminds me there's a convenience store at the next exit. The store is open and I pull into the first of the three vacant parking spots. Still nothing on my phone to indicate service, so I get out and lock the car head through the sliding doors. The 20-something white guy sitting behind the counter doesn't even look up when the bell announces me. I walk to the counter, glad this isn't the same asshole clerk I had last time. I count to five, and he's still leaning back in his swivel chair, buried in a hunting magazine. I say, excuse me. The clerk sets the magazine on his lap, but doesn't say a word. The hate, clear on his face. The look of contempt, like I'm a lower form of life, is when I learned to recognize as a kid. His name tag reads Eric, as if his parents couldn't decide which consonant they preferred. I'm sorry to bother you, but I need to borrow your phone. He laughs. Borrow my phone? I hold up my cell. Yeah, I don't get any service out here. No one does. It's very important. I'm sure it is. Eric flips open his magazine. Payphone's right outside those doors. I need to call the police station. Like I said, the phone's outside. I hate playing the cop card and want as few people as possible knowing what I do, but he's forcing my hand. This is official police business. The phone here doesn't work. Been busted for a week. Why didn't you say that first? You didn't ask. This guy's worse than the first clerk. Another racist like all the others that live out here. I'm tempted to check the phone, but I know he'll fight me. I walk back to my car and check the middle console for change, only able to scrounge up 35 cents. An older Pontiac pulls up with a portly blonde and her little boy. I take a dollar bill from my wallet and follow them inside. Eric has his feet propped up by the cash register, the phone held to his ear. I say, Excuse me. He sighs into the receiver. Hold on a sec. Looking at me like I stepped in shit, he says. What now? I thought the phone didn't work. Only incoming calls. I didn't hear it ring. You have superhuman hearing? I push the dollar across the counter. Just break this for me and I'll be out of your hair. Eric goes back to his telephone conversation. Sorry about that. You know some people, always wanting something they can't have. I slam my fist on the counter but keep my voice level. I asked for change. And I assumed you could read. He points at the small poster board taped to the front of the cash register. It says no change. You'll have to buy something. I take a deep breath and unkink my neck. 
move it side to side. I can't let this fucker get to me. I nearly bump into the blonde on my way to the candy aisle. She asks Eric for quarters, and he hands them over. What the hell is that? You just said I had to buy something to get change. You do. You gave her quarters. I hold the edge of the counter so I don't grab his throat. Her kid's gonna play the machine. He points to the video game in the far corner. That's pretty much buying something. And using the payphone isn't? That's outside the store. I'm going to file a formal complaint. Am I supposed to be worried? I point at the camera peering down at us. I want a copy of that footage. Can't have one. As a law enforcement officer, I'm demanding one. Well, as an employee of the store, I'm telling you you can't have one. I lower my voice so the lady and her kid can't hear. Listen up, you little asshole. I didn't come in here to cause trouble, but that seems to be all that you care about. I want that tape. Eric backs up and pulls a loose cable out of the wall. See? It's not even hooked up to anything. The owner, who just happens to be my dad, got tired of buying tapes and having to fix it. Plus, he said there's no point in having it since the cops never catch the fucking monkeys who rob us anyway. With a huge, gap-toothed grin, he says, maybe you'd like to call him and complain about my unethical treatment. Just give me some change and I'll leave. Listen, I reserve the right to serve whoever I want. So while I'm still feeling generous, why don't you go buy something if you want that change? Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a paying customer behind you. The lady smirk says she's enjoying this almost as much as he is. I ignore her and head down the far aisle, too angry to choose from the crackers, chips, and other crap. I take several deep breaths and unclench my hands. Listen to the lady giggle. My mother taught me a long time ago that being teased only hurts if you let it. I'd grown desensitized to it as a child, but taking it from some moron making ten bucks an hour is hard to swallow. Still, like Mama said, unless they lay a hand on you, don't pay them any mind. The Pontiac pulls out of the parking lot. Eric punches numbers on the telephone that doesn't work, and I stand here like a child waiting for him to make me empty my pockets and accuse me of shoplifting. I pick out a can of Pringles, a stick of jerky, and a bag of mixed nuts. I do the math and I'm looking for a 20-cent item when the sliding doors swish open. Shoes slap the tile. Someone in a hurry. A man shouts, Hang up! Now! The phone clunks onto the receiver. I can't see, but guess Eric's dad decided to check on the store. The man says, If you so much as move a goddamn inch, I'll blow your head off. A deeper voice says, Good. Now get face down on the floor. I'm coming over the counter. If you move, you die, understand? The robbers must realize there's an extra car in the parking lot. I reach under my coat and ease out my service revolver as I crouch down. I only have six bullets and no reload. Not an ideal situation. I creep to the edge of the aisle and watch one of the robbers, clad in black from shoes to ski mask, hop over the counter and open the register. He says, A hundred and twenty dollars? Are you kidding me? Where's all the money? Eric tells him the night shift doesn't bring in much. There's a loud thud, and Eric groans. That's all we got, he says. I got a 20 in my wallet. Take it. It's in my pocket. The robber with the deep voice says, Hey, man, chill on the kicking. I ain't risking getting locked up again for a hundred bucks. Where's the safe? I know you got one. We don't. You can go look. The office is open. We don't got one. Don't lie to me, or I swear to God, I'll pull the trigger. My thighs are on fire from crouching, but I stay still. I wish I knew where the second guy is, but have to assume he's watching the door. Eric is starting to sound like he's hyperventilating. Look, look in there. There's no safe. Take whatever you want, but there's no safe. Come on, man, the second guy says. Grab the cash and some of those bottles and let's go. We need more than that. 
he asks Eric. What about your car? Where's your keys? I don't got one. My dad and I switch off at the shift exchange. I always use his. Don't lie to me. Give me your keys. I don't have any, Eric whines. Check me. Then whose car is that if it ain't yours? I ease around the corner. The second robber is only an aisle away. Back to me. His forty-five pointed at the ground. The one behind the counter is looking down. I asked you a fucking question. Whose car? Eric says. The dude is... But I'm already moving. The second guy starts to turn, but I crack his head with the butt of my three fifty-seven. He crumbles, and I turn the gun on the guy who just ducked beneath the counter. I step back into a shooting stance, control my breathing, my gun sight steady. I'm a cop. Raise your gun into the air by its barrel and come up very slowly. Fuck you. Johnny, you out there? Out cold. Just you and me. I don't want any problems. Just give it up and no one else gets hurt. Everything was silent except for the swishing of the slurpy machine in my pounding heart. What's it going to be? Do you really want to risk everything? Back off, or I'll put one through this dude's head. Let him go, and we can talk about getting you out of here. Last warning. You better not fucking shoot. The robber says as he pops up using Eric as a shield. Eric's pale and shaking. The robber behind him. The muzzle of the gun pressed to Eric's temple. You want to go away for murder? I ask. I ain't going back, period. Walk out of here, and this dude might live. I steady my aim. If you shoot him, I shoot you. Simple as that. You want to die? Don't shoot me, Eric begs the robber. Please don't shoot me. Don't listen to him. He tells me, just leave. Take off and let them go. Not an option. The robber says, listen to him and leave. You know what? I don't give a rat's ass if you shoot him. Huh? The robber looks like he's not sure he should believe me. Eric says, he's trying to psych you out. Just leave, cop. Come on. I'm sorry about earlier. Sure you are. The robber says, I'm going to count to ten. Why so high? I've made my decision. It's you or me. And I'm going to see my girl tonight. Stop wasting my time and make you a move. Eric's tears are flowing. Oh, man, please don't do this. I just want to go home. I say, now look what you did. You made him cry. The robber remains silent. I tell him, put your gun down and let's end this. He hesitates a few seconds, then sighs. I'm going to put the gun on the counter. Don't shoot. Good, I say as he complies. Now take two steps to your left. That's good. Eric moved to the right, and I order him to stay put. I can't move? Not yet. Let me handle this. Stay put. Under his breath, he mutters, You're all the same. What'd you say? Nothing. No, you said something. Nothing. Just... Hurry up and arrest these two. Tell me what you meant. What do you think I mean? The robber by my feet groans and brings his hands to the top of his head. I nudge him with my foot and say, Johnny, walk over to your partner. Johnny squints up at me. You a cop? Get your ass over there. Johnny is smart and does what he's told, blood dribbling down the pale skin on the exposed back of his neck. Eric says, can I move now or what? Do I need to call some real cops? How are you going to call them? I thought the phone was busted. I thought you were in a big rush to go see your girl. I bet she's white, ain't she? I can't believe this prick has already forgotten that I was just saving his sorry ass. What would you do if I walked out of here right now? Pick up this gun, shoot these two, and report your black ass. Why would you shoot them? They're unarmed. There'd be two less of your kind to go around and rob someone else. I tell the robbers to take off their masks. 
Both robbers are as white as Eric, looking like raccoons with dark makeup spread around their eyes and lips. My kind? I look at the clock and say, It's getting late, and I do want to see my fiancé, who, by the way, is just as dark as I am. Let's wrap this up. I turn to the first robber. You'll be going back to prison for this, right? At least ten, probably twenty, he says, sounding broken. More depending on how I write it. I take the gun off the counter, back up a few steps, and set it down. And you don't want to go back? God, no. Well, as you and Johnny can imagine, I'm pretty tired of this idiot. What the hell are you doing? Eric says. Why are you talking to them? I ignore him. That security camera doesn't work. The nearest police substation is over a half hour away, and they never send cars out here. If I walk out of here, you never saw me. Everyone's stunned. Johnny asks, You're gonna let us go? Eric shouts, It's not funny. Arrest them. One condition. He didn't see me either. When the realization of what I just said kicks in, Johnny says, Hold on. I didn't come in here to do that. Did you come in to get locked up for armed robbery and attempted murder of a police officer? I take another step and the sliding doors swish open. I look at his partner and say, You on board? He never saw me. The first robber nods. I turn my back on them. The doors muffling Eric screams. I can barely hear him when I climb inside the car. Not at all with the music on. I'm back on the road. My breathing normal. Sometimes you have to do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Sometimes reason doesn't play a part and emotions take over. Either way, it's time to move on. I pull out my phone. Maybe now I'll get some service. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.